0: This is the Rob Black Podcast. Check out Rob every weekday morning
1: from 10 to noon on 910 a.m. and talk910.com. Live from the Bay Area, your money, your life. This is Rob Black.
2: Welcome in. This is the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. What's on your financial? Mind You tell me 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. We could talk about anything that you want to talk about, whether it's your personal finance, whether it's your retirement, whether it's new technologies to invest in or new technologies to fall over and go, ooh, I didn't see that coming. Anything that's on your mind, it's a pretty open show, 800-345-5639. It's 800 345 five, six, three, nine to get your calls on the air. There's a lot, there's a lot of moving parts to the stock market right now. There's issues like when will jobs come back or when will real estate work itself out? Are there enough homes in America? Are there not enough homes? Will the baby boomer draw on social security to the point that it breaks the system? Not quite sure yet. You know, Uh, yesterday we were giddy. We're like, woo, the EU spells R E L I E F. The European, European Union threw enough money at their, their debt problem in Greece that it lifted the gloom. You know, The Greek stock market up 9%. Germany up 5%. Spain up 14%. Like, sweet. Those were huge days. Yesterday, the United States market up 4%. 3.9% all on the news that, you know, there's aid out there. But here's the problem. Our government, Obama, and the House Democrats basically put together the stimulus package, $1 trillion. That's money, and it has to be paid back. Now, the European Union put together almost $1 trillion in loan guarantees. Now, what's that mean? I think it's going to stun you to think about, because you probably don't have a concept of it. it it's, it's something that we don't fathom in our lives, it's something that we don't have to really, really think about. It's deep in the deep water, so to speak. Basically, I'll put it in simple terms. Spain, Portugal, and Greece have some bad debt. They've got some subprime loans, so to speak on their banks. They don't have enough revenue to pay back those subprime loans. So think of it as someone who bought a house and they make $60,000 and bought a $600,000 home. They don't really have the ability to pay that back. All that really happened yesterday was that the European Union says, we're going to throw down a trillion dollars and we'll move your crappy loans at your crappy banks. No, no, let me correct that. We'll move your crappy loans at your shaky banks to are great banks, but they're still crappy loans. That's all that really happened. There's still a lot of problem out there. So on one level, the the, the, the suck countries, Greece, Portugal, and Spain, as far as revenue, as far as GDP, as far as taxes and those kind of issues, basically they just got a little bit better in the world's eyes. Their credit looks a little bit better. They don't have quite as much debt. The good country banks, like in Germany and France, suddenly theirs looks a little bit more shaky. Again, it's exactly what I would have done. It was a big bet. It was a huge bet. It was a bet in the right direction. No doubt about it. But all it did was a little financial engineering for the short term. That's all it is. A little financial engineering for the short term. Nothing super, nothing great, nothing wonderful, nothing that you've never fathomed before. So it just, they moved it around. Get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. I love that the court nominee plays softball. There's something funny about that. There's a picture of her in the Wall Street Journal back from uh, 1993 when she was uh, playing softball with the Democrats. Uh, Just a funny, funny image. I don't know. Something about adults playing baseball or adults playing kids games. Sometimes they look a little awkward at it. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. One of the bigger stories of the day that's out there is tied towards Toyota. Toyota profits better than expected. It's kind of neat, right? They're making profits at a time where you probably don't imagine them to make profits. That's one of the big stories out there today. Um, what else do we have as far as big stories? The market started a little on the weak side. It opened lower after yesterday's big move, and then it started to recover. So, gold soars to a new all-time high today. Um, oil spill testimonies going on in Congress today at Capitol Hill. The oil spill testimonies is going to sound something like this. BP is going to say, well, all we are is an oil company, and we paid another company, TransOcean, to go out and and, and drill a hole and, and get that oil for us, of which they were going to be richly compensated. We had no clue that their equipment was going to fail due to a uh, methane gas burst. And then ultimately, so they're going to, the senators are going to say, ah, so we, we blame TransOcean. And then TransOcean is going to say, well... We contracted with Halliburton to put together this platform, and, and they ultimately failed us in on some level, some way, shape, or form. And uh, we're very, very angry about that. So senators will go, ah, oh, Halliburton, Halliburton. So everyone's pointing fingers at each other at this point in time, and you're not going to see a lot get done, all things considered. Uh, but testimony is dramatic. That's one of the bigger stories of the day. Now – other stories of the day, let me figure out what my clock says, okay, is housing prices. Home prices rose in 91 cities in the first quarter of, of the year. Now, again, that's pretty good, right? States that have hit been hit by foreclosures, they began to recover. And that tax credit that's still out there for people who buy a first-time home, new home, they're, it's, it's incentivizing people. The median price of a single-family home sold in Saginaw, Michigan, doubled. What do you think a, a home in Saginaw, Michigan is worth? Now, again... It doubled, so that's telling you something. In one quarter, year over year, it's gone up 100%. So you can buy a home in Saginaw, Michigan for $60,000. Now, in Akron, Ohio, prices climbed 90% year over year to $95,000. Grand Rapids, Michigan, $90,700. That's up 26%. Now, you can't really believe those numbers because real estate doesn't go up 95 or 26%. It doesn't, unless those areas that had so many foreclosures were being sold at at rock-bottom prices. Now, cities that led the nation in foreclosures a year earlier had the biggest price increases. So that's what happened. In the second half of the year, employment growth and an improving economic situation, that's what we're looking for. If we get employment growth in the second half of 2010, if we get that improving economic, things are doing okay in the world kind of thing going on, then the housing recovery should be on track. Now, today, the report that's out there is showing the recovery accelerating. And that's accelerating from the fourth quarter in 67 metropolitan areas. So quarter to quarter, it's starting to get better. Year over year, it's definitely getting better. And the U.S. median home sold, the U.S. median home tumbled about 29% over the last three and a half years. So from the top to the bottom, about down 29%. The median price of a home in the United States in 2006 the the median price of a home in the United States in 2006 when it hits peak the average home $230,300. Now it hit a low of 164 um in February of this year. So you can kind of see that that's where the people lay. Now again clearly housing in the you know metropolitan areas of New York and LA, San Francisco, Boston, Chicago, you ain't getting to get into over 200,000 near your job in any way shape or form. Um, and I think that's about all I got for you. Interesting note that South Dakota led the nation sales decline with transactions falling about 33%. I don't think I know one person who who works or lives in South Dakota. So we got a lot of stories out there today. We got Capitol Hill testimony on oil companies, high drama, not a lot's gonna get done. So the the economic consequences, that minimal, but high drama, nonetheless. Today, we've got home prices, that indicator showing us something new and improved. So where do you stand on all this? Get your voice heard. I don't have any major super content as far as the big burning question of the day, but do you believe all this? Do you, the Germany bailout plan. You know, do, how comfortable are you with the European Union and what they did? Isn't it just, isn't it just a little bit of um, financial engineering when you guarantee someone else's debt you're basically moving it from one balance sheet to another balance sheet? And in this case, you're moving it from Greece and Portugal and Italy to the more stronger banks, the more conservative banks is probably the better way of saying that, in France and Germany. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's The Rob Black Show. You can also drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. And you're listening at a.m. More stimulating talk.
1: Finding a twenty in your inside coat pocket. All right. Well, actually, it's more like finding a ten in your inside coat pocket, but it still feels pretty good. It's the Rob Black Show on nine ten a.m. More stimulating talk. It's
2: the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Got an interesting email that I want to throw out there because it's tied towards the European Union and Greece. And uh this one comes to me from, is, some people don't sign. Uh, no, that's not Brian, give me just a second, because I don't want to, oh, Kurt, okay, there we go, so Kurt sends an email, and you can send me an email, rob, rob at robblack.com, rob at robblack.com, he says, great show, wish you had the longer spot at the three o'clock slot, I do too, from three to seven, I would love to do the show in drive time, would love it, this, yeah, Kurt goes on to say, I won't totally dwell on me. Says I have an overall macro-microeconomic question for you. That'd like your honest opinion. With the Greek crisis being a drag for the long haul in the euro, I see no need to be bullish on cruise lines, hotels, or Disney stocks for that fact. uh, Since I don't see Europeans taking those trips across the ponds too expensive, uh, too expensive for them with the exchange rate. I did ride the bump up in hotel stocks and sold off in mid-April. Can't be a judge of the airline stocks in the situation. Too much in air. Um, You know what? I I almost disagree. And here's why I'm almost disagreeing with where he was trying to go with that. He basically, I think if I were to sum up his point, he says that I don't really want to invest in cruise lines because of their exposure to the euro. I think he was trying to say, I don't want to invest in cruise lines because their exposure to Europe and Greece. But I think the weaker euro and keep in mind, the euro is back to where it was in 2008 at the start of the year. It's not like crashed. It's not weaker than the dollar all time it's not pathetic it's not anemic it's not disastrous it's weaker from the strongest it's ever been so at one point in time i was able to bench press 450 pounds now i can bench press 400 pounds i've lost a little bit of it as i've gotten older right you too i know you can't run as fast as you used to you don't recover as fast as you used to Same basic idea, or or think of it as as a sprinter who slows down. You know, you don't have to sprint every single race. The euro is weaker, but it's not disastrous. So the fact that he's thinking that it's disastrous tells me, hmm, there's probably a lot of people that think it's disastrous. So, yeah, now is a great time to go to Greece. No doubt about it. They will do anything to get you to spend currency there. Anything. They will probably give you their mama. They'll probably give you a head rub and give you mama. To get you to Greece and and vacation there and Greece is a beautiful, beautiful part of the world kind of filthy the interior of Greece, but the islands of Greece. Holy mackerel. Uh, You would not be disappointed. You would not be disappointed if you do get out to Greece this year, but I think the cruise lines may be more of a buy now. Keep in mind most of the cruise lines that you're going to invest in like a carnival. They do business in dollars now. Yes, you're right. Europeans won't have the luxury of coming to America at the all time cheapest and uh, dollar and weakest dollar and pathetic dollar. And, you know, the dollar has gotten stronger in the last year and the euro has gotten weaker in the last six months. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But is it to the point that uh, Germans aren't going to be vacation anymore? Or French aren't going to be a vacation anymore? No, 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 no. I don't think we're anywhere near that in any way, shape, or form. Another email comes to me from Cheryl, and she basically said, I bought a few shares of Apple on Friday for $235 a share. Should I take my gain? She basically made you know, a massive right call. She bought when everyone else was panicking, and today it's $259 a share. Yesterday she sent me that email, so she's missed an upside of another 2%. So she was up 8% yesterday, up 2 more percent today. So let's just hypothetically call that up 10%, even though it's not quite right. Um answering Cheryl's question is a little bit more difficult because I think over the longer term, Apple shares go higher. I do. I do. I think that's that's an obvious. I think over the shorter term, um we don't know. You know, some people look at the European bailout as, well, we did pretty good. We did pretty good with that European bailout. Other people are looking at it on the other side of the fence of they just financially engineered their debt, moved it from one place to another. Nothing too fancy with that in any way, shape or form. You get your calls in air, It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Now you might be at work right now. I'm at work right now and no one likes their job and no one likes their boss, right? So there's a, a big old memorial in, Blue Massachusetts. It's on the city's harbor's edge. It's this beautiful statue, stunning statue of a fisherman leaning into the wind and basically peering out over the open oceans and the open seas. And, you know, he, he might be trying to search for a safe route home or maybe he's looking for a lost companion. And a lot of people think fishermen is the worst job in the world because of the death rates. Now, cops, you might think, have a dangerous job, but really they don't, not when compared to. Other businesses, firefighters might think I have a dangerous job, but really they don't not compared to other businesses. Now, year over year, America is getting safer and safer to work at. There's a good chance you're not going to die this year. But there's some odd little statistics here and there. There's some nooks and crannies statistics. Uh, For instance, Hispanic workers died at a rate of about 11 percent higher than whites or blacks. Older workers as well. So if you're Hispanic and you're old, there's a better chance of you dying at work. Fatal injuries from being struck by objects jumped 12%. Can you imagine being struck by an object as a way of dying? Highway accidents on the job, number one killer. So while you're driving around today, keep an eye out for that construction zone. <laughs> keep an eye out for that work zone uh, because I think that's kind of impress- that's kind of important that you know that. Loggers recorded 85 fatalities in 2004, a rate of about 92 deaths for every 100,000 workers. So the, the worst possible job you could have is potentially dying on the job is lo- you know being a logging worker. Now, next to that is aircraft pilots. Now you probably wouldn't think of aircraft pilots, would you? So aircraft pilots tend to die at a faster rate. Out of 100,000 each year, um, you see roughly 85 dying. Fishers and fishing workers, structural iron and steel workers. Now, this is the one that got me. This is the one that I I said, that can't possibly be on the list. Now, again, let's go back to aircraft pilots. You don't imagine, you don't hear that many plane crashes, do you? It's really like the crop dusters and the more yokel local um, pilots. You know, the, the, the short jump, so to speak. So other um, jobs that really surprised roofers, that makes sense. Electrical power line installers, repairs, that makes sense. Taxi drivers and chauffeurs, that makes sense, you know, on occasion. They get robbed and killed in the process. That totally makes sense. And it would be tough to track them down unless there's cameras in the cars and things like that. The one that really kind of surprised me, farmers and ranchers were number six on this list. Number six on the list of how many people die per 100,000 per year? Um, 37. 37 farmers or ranchers die in some sort of work-related accident. And the other one that, that kind of threw me out for a little bit of a loop is uh, recyclable material collectors and refuse collectors. So trash collectors where people are doing recycling. And that one didn't really get me. because It just didn't make sense. But it kind of does make sense. If you've ever been to a big trash haul location, what you'll see there is big rigs like Caterpillar, you know, pushing dirt and pushing trash to the left and pushing trash to the right. So you've seen that. And uh, long story short, uh, you think your job sucks. It's it's At least you're not being crushed by a big old trash container. Get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Now, we know Main Street is talking at this point in time with... Capitol Hill is talking to the oil workers, right? One of the things that's coming out of that news today is Obama is going to toughen up on the big oil industry. So we know that we're going to continue to drill for oil in the Gulf. We know that. It's not going to totally go away. You may hear some sound bites on occasion that make it sound like it's totally going away, but it's not going to happen. So what's going to happen is it's going to be tougher oversight and more regulation. The Obama administration, eager to show that it's responding to the Gulf Coast oil spill, they're going to announce plans today to split up the Interior Department that oversees offshore drilling. Look, a phone call. Um, Now, spokesperson, Robert Gibbs, he sent out a Twitter with the news. Isn't that kind of odd? Does that throw you for a little bit of a loop that our government officials are now Twittering uh, what's happening? So ultimately, he says, quote, we plan to split offshore drilling agency, one to inspect oil rigs and enforce safety, And others to oversee leases and royalties and the businesses they make. So um, Wall Street will take this. And Wall Street, whether it's financial banks or oil companies who do drilling, they don't want more oversight. They don't want more enforceable safety. So it's slightly bad news, but it's not horrific news. And down the road, you know, maybe that's something that they ultimately end up getting back together on. Salazar, he's proposing splitting the Mineral Management Service, which is the government agency that oversees the oil business into two separate ones. So there's critics out there, of course. You know, Senator Bill Nelson out of Florida says it's a conflict of interest to you know, have the Interior do both of those, to both look at safety as well as look at profits. You know, On one hand, we want the oil companies to pay 50% tax rates. On the other hand, we want them to be super safe. So uh, Bill Nelson says, I ask that you determine in your investigation the extent to which oil and natural gas industry has exercised influence in the agency's rulemaking process. So there's some people, you know, Obama's now trying to say, let's do a 30 day review and um, you know, take a look at it and, and, and get back to it. He just basically is positioning him and his party to look good. Like, hey, we're on top of America. We see the, the dead, the dead seals. We see the dead animals in the Gulf of Mexico. We're on top of it. We're going to do something about it. And ultimately, not a lot's going to get done. Ivan and Hayward, eight hundred three four five five six three nine. Ivan, how are you?
3: Hey, I, hey, Rob, how you doing? Second time caller. Appreciate your show. I wish you would be at three o'clock. I'd listen to you a lot more. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, I got a question. I was uh, listening to the call this morning on uh, the media, and they were talking about the thousand point drop, um, having to do with. Actually, it was not this morning. It was uh, I looked it on on YouTube and. Wanted some reflection on it. Maybe you can educate me on this. But they were talking about how traders aren't quick enough to make trades, uh, like a typical one-two-three guy that wants to make a trade. And there's traders that go on TraderMonster.com that do it almost like phenomenally a lot faster and, and quicker. I just didn't understand that concept. And maybe you can educate me on that.
2: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, I didn't <laughs> hear the con- I didn't hear the conversation. So I'm talking about a conversation I never heard. Um, I'll do my best. And thanks for the call. So ultimately, what we're seeing is that Democrats um, are saying this week that they they really want to wrap up changes to Wall Street reform. The fact that we had a thousand point fall on what most people are saying was a trader who punched in one billion shares instead of one million shares to sell. And that spooked people, spooked people while the market was at a high, spooked people while earnings were going well. Um it, and European Union and Greece started to you know started to, to crop up. Um, I think it was a, a human error. There's going to be new circuit breaker rules that go into effect, so there's less chance of this happening. Um, I don't really think there's a lot of conversation there until I actually hear your your spot that you wanted to comment about eight hundred three four five five six three nine to get your calls in the air. And again, sometimes I'm going to filter out some of the Wall Street information because. It's just not popular enough for people to understand, grasp, or uh, make for good radio. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's The Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk.
1: It's like blowing 10 grand in Vegas on the first day and then making it all back and more on the second. The Rob Black Show, a 9, 10 a.m. more stimulating talk.
2: Welcome in to The Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. more stimulating talk. Anything that you want to talk about in the investment world, for instance, global sales at McDonald's rose in April on growth at all three regional segments. Their three regional segments are obviously Europe, Asia, and the Americas. Elsewhere, Cisco was a big winner yesterday. Technology shares benefited from the European rescue plan. Cisco was up five point seven five percent Any time you get those 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 big days of of bailout after a big market down, big market down, big market down, big market down, any day you get those relief rallies, the companies that tend to gap up the most were the companies that were rocking and rolling before it happened, uh, whether it be companies like Apple. Or companies like Cisco that were doing very, very well on that for the year, so to speak. 800-345-5639 You get your calls now. It's going to Keith in San Francisco. Keith.
4: Hey, good morning. How are you doing? I'm
2: doing okay. A little, little off my game today, but doing okay.
4: All right. Well, I got a. Um, I, I was looking into some credit card relief programs, and I was wondering what you felt about these things.
2: Well, what are they? Which one are you talking about? And, and what are they promising? And what are they delivering?
4: Well, I got we got about me and the wife about twenty thousand dollars in debt, and they're you know promising to cut cut the bill down, lower, uh, knock off at at least thirty five to forty percent, for a fee of two thousand dollars plus then a ten percent cut of whatever they save us in the dollar amount. So if they save us ten grand, then they'll get an extra thousand dollars on top of that.
2: Okay, now, how does that sound to you?
4: It sounds nice knocking out this debt in, in 18 months, but we also have the house we're trying to refinance, and I'm a little worried about what, what kind of hit it'll take to our credit by doing this.
2: Well, anytime you work with any company that's helping your credit, you're going to get hit, and do you care about that? Why do you care about your credit, Scraiden?
4: Because <sighs> it's, it's in good shape, and, and I've been pretty responsible all these years to, to have it in good shape.
2: Are you going to so. buy a house next year?
4: Not next year, no. We already own a house.
2: You're going to buy a car next year? No. So why do you care about your credit rating?
4: Probably just for personal
2: ego, I guess. Okay, so it's personal (laughs) ego. So you need to set that aside. Okay. When I turned 25, I realized that I wasn't fit like an 18-year-old boy anymore. And it was pretty sweet because, you know, I was trying to hide in the bedroom. I'd keep on, like, a baggy T-shirt when, you know, the lovemaking. would Like, I'd try to hide some of my imperfections. Okay. And then I was, then I was like, screw that! i dance around in full nudity and full glory, and it was incredibly empowering. And women had never seen guys so, so arrogant with their flesh. Like, man, you're comfortable in your own And They loved it. Sometimes you gotta say, screw the ego, okay. and it'll make you more of a powerful man in your life. And I know it sounds, it's a really odd thing to say, but don't worry about your credit score. Stop, okay. you know, like you said, if you're gonna buy a house or a car, then worry about it. But I wouldn't really worry about that. As far as, okay, let me tell you a story. I've got $20,000 in debt, and there's this company that's coming to me, and they're going to charge me $2,000, and suddenly they're going to get 10% of everything that I save, and it's going to go smoothly and easily, and uh, clearly, clearly they're a legit company because they're only charging me $2,000 to do negotiations with the credit card companies. If, If your son were to come to you with that, you'd probably go... Son, you got to watch out in the world because businesses are are there to scam you and take your money. Do you know anyone, Keith, who has ever used a credit relief company and was happy with it?
4: I don't know any. I don't know. Okay. I've tried it, period. That's why I'm...
2: Do you have any any friends or family members who have ever had credit card problems and used a credit relief agency? No, I don't. I don't either. Heidi, do you know anyone who's ever used a credit relief agency and was happy with the results? No. So ultimately what I'm trying to get at you, Keith, is sometimes if it sounds too good to be true, it is. Here's how I got out of my credit card problems. When I came out of college, I had $10,000 of credit card debt and I was starting a business and it was tough. And I had a girlfriend who, like I said, you know, I was, uh, you know, I wanted to take her to a movie. I wanted to take her to uh, dinner and I wanted, you know, sex at the end of the night. That, That was like perfect for me. Like those three things were like you had to have all three. But I couldn't afford the dinner and the movie. Sex was free. All she wanted to do was sit on the couch and eat corn chips with me. And I was trying so hard not to. So my credit got even worse and worse and worse. And then I got into a problem where I had bad credit. And I was still still living this fake dream. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sit on the couch and eat corn chips with her. And that's all she wanted. And ultimately, the credit card companies, my life got out of control there. And thanks for the call. And you can negotiate with the credit card companies there's thanks for the call. There's no credit relief company on the planet that can do anything that you can't do. There's none. None of them have a magic wand. None of them have the ability to negotiate what you can't negotiate. So what they're going to do is they're going to take over for you and they're going to be your dad. Time for you, Keith, to be your own dad, call the company, call your credit companies and say, Hey, I want to do everything I can to repay you. You need to help me out. And they'll say, screw you. You'll say, I got $2,000. What 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 will that buy me? And ultimately, it's probably not going to buy you a lot. So, um, if you're going to use any credit relief agency, I would use Consumer Credit Counseling Services of San Francisco, and it's got a really easy web page: cccssf.org, dot org, dot org. I would never, ever, and this is where again, you're not getting scammed. I'm not going to say the company is a scam but I would never pace for a service up front. If, if they want to negotiate with you and you know, say, how about I give you 50% of everything you save me on this $20,000 in of debt instead of 10% and $2,000? Say no cash, but I'll give you a bigger cut for whatever you're able to save. Or I'll give you 30%. And if they're able to save 20,000, you know, if they can put their money where their mouth is, then they just made $10,000, which is better than what they would have made of $2,000 plus 10%. So they would have made 2000 you know, $200 roughly. So I, I don't believe it. Or uh, $4,000 total if they're able to save 10% of your debt. If they're able to wipe it out and get that $2,000 up front. The bet, I mean, that's, that scenario would give them $4,000. if They wiped out all 20000 So offer them 30% or 40%. And if they want to put their money where they, their mouth is, uh, let them. 800 345 5639. Let's go to Lawrence in Palo Alto.
3: Lawrence. Hey, Rob. Nice to hear you again. It's good to be heard. So uh, I've heard you talk about the, uh, you know, how a stock splits and it doesn't change the value, and I understand that. And I'm I'm just wondering why Warren Buffett would have done the reverse split on the Berkshire Hathaway B shares, since I I agree with you, it's 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 purely psychological.
2: What was the question about Berkshire B?
3: Well, he did a he did a reverse split. You know, went from whatever the three grand a share to the seventy dollars a share recently.
2: Okay, so that's not a reverse split. That would be a stock split.
3: I mean the stock split. That's what I meant. And and I, I understand it doesn't change the amount of your holdings. And I agree with you. I've heard you talk about this kind of thing before. But I'm, I'm curious why you think Warren Buffett actually did that reverse split. I'm sorry, I'm calling it again the stock split. Right. Why he did the
2: stock split. I don't really have a good answer for you. I'm not going to speak for him. Um, I wasn't even aware of it like it's. It's kind of a non issue if you know what I'm saying in my world right um, I could take a look, but I would think that Berkshire b and for it,
3: went, it, it really it literally went from the three thousand dollars something range to the seventy dollars, so you know you, you got a lot more shares and it was the same same end of the end of the day was the same amount of money you had in the stock. And I know you've talked about how there's really no reason to do that. And in your world, it doesn't really matter because it's the same value. Yeah, and I'm
2: I'm not speaking for Berkshire is whats What is what I'm going to get to on this? And thanks for the call. Berkshire Hathaway, there's two shares. There's Berkshire A shares and there's B shares. And they trade in similar fashion. So Berkshire Hathaway has never split their shares. And it's worth $117,257. So to buy one share, you have to have $117,257. Now, people like me like Berkshire Hathaway and say, I endorse this concept. I like the idea. Ladies and gentlemen, you should buy shares. But you go, I don't have $117,257. So the B shares were developed for people like you. And I guess going from 3,000 to 70 or 80 in his mind or whoever's mind who made the decision on the stock split was just to keep it so that the average person, the average mom and dad who should be owning shares of this can pick up 100 shares for 8,000 bucks. And that's not a bad concept. If you if you see what they're trying to do, I mean, I'm putting, I'm guessing that's what those done. I mean, Berkshire B didn't even exist a, w- a while ago. It was created to let people who couldn't afford Berkshire A enjoy the Berkshire Hathaway ride with with B shares. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's eight hundred three four five five six three nine. It's Rob 9, nine ten a.m. More stimulating talk.
1: You're listening to The Rob Black Show on 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Call Rob now at
2: 1-800-345-5639. Welcome back in to The Rob Black Show. You're listening to 9, 10 a.m. Lots going on today. Another update in the market, which people feel good about because last week was a rough week. So it's good to see a little bit of follow-through, so to speak. Um... Yesterday big, today not so much, but we opened lower, and we're up 77 on the Dow. We're up 28 on the NASDAQ, up 9 on the S&P 500. Ten-year bond sitting right at 3.55% yield. I think that's a pretty good number. I like where it is. Go to John in San Francisco. John?
5: Hey, Rob. Can you hear me? Yes. Um, Well, thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to follow up from the uh, caller who was asking about the credit card police. So I used to run marketing... For a lead generation company in the uh, debt relief space, so I thought I'd give you a little more information about how those services work and um, you know what are some of the pitfalls for somebody looking to to unload their credit card debt. Do it. Um, so there are two ways that you can do it. You can do it yourself, and uh, you know the point that you're making about what is the importance of a credit card score really only matters if you want to make a major life purchase. Um, but to do it yourself, you need to have 40 to 50% of your debt available to make a lump sum payment. And the credit card companies won't even start um, negotiating with you until you've missed payments right. for two to three months. Um, but it's pretty
0: easy to do, and you know it's obviously up to the individual to make those calls and negotiate
5: directly. But if you have the money in the bank, if you had 10000 there's no question that they would negotiate directly with them okay um, and if he goes through a firm that those services do work but there are a couple of major pitfalls if, if, if the, uh, the individual doesn't have the discipline to stay in the program there's a high likelihood that they'll end up getting sued by the credit card companies right um, but there's there's still a small likelihood that they'll get sued even if they participate successfully in the program um, but in both circumstances whether they negotiate for themselves or through a firm, they will likely end up getting a tax bill um based on the amount of money they saved for that forgiven debt so they will, they'll will you know they'll have to pay their normal uh tax rate if he saved ten thousand, he may have to pay you know thirty, thirty-five hundred in tax on that ten thousand saved. yeah you get
2: 1099 to counts as earned income for whatever's forgiven
5: exactly so and uh we all know right now the government's doing whatever it can to uh Generate tax revenue, so it's unlikely that they would, you know, not come after that. Okay. Um, but that's pretty much that's, that's pretty much how it works at a high level.
2: Would you give a company two thousand dollars up front to negotiate twenty thousand dollars debt relief for you? Uh,
5: absolutely not.
2: Okay. Do you know any? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, I, I personally would not
5: use the service, um, but I, but it has helped a lot of people. But I also know that. There have been
2: a tremendous number of people who've had serious issues with it, right? So, and I think the, the, the truth is, you and I don't know people who it's worked for. So it works for a lot fewer people than you and I actually know. I mean, I'm, when I say you and I, let's say you'd never worked in the industry, you've never run across anyone that you know magically turned twenty thousand into into nothing.
5: Although I, I do have a friend who ran a, uh, a small business and had racked up roughly 250K in debt, um, you know, that he was personally responsible for. And he, he took the road where he uh, negotiated directly and actually borrowed the capital from
3: his family members to pay off the debt. And he did save about 60%.
2: And again, I did the same thing. I was able to save 40% on mine. But it was really six thousand in debt that became ten thousand with fees and interest, and I, I, I paid off the original six thousand that I had borrowed. So you do have to have capital to play, and I just don't think um, I think people are unrealistic if they think they could pay two thousand up front and, and magically get stuff to go away.
5: No, and they, and there are most of those services they don't charge up front anyway. It should just be a flat, like, 15% fee of the amount of debt
2: that is owed, and that should be – they should pay into the program on a monthly basis. Right. And anything that you pay someone to set up for you, you could do on your own. So thanks for the call, John. Exactly. Sure. Thanks, Rob. 800-345-5639. Let's go to Jose in Vacaville. Hi, Rob. Hey, Jose. Uh, how are you?
6: Good, good. I have um... – uh, I'd like to explain my situation and see uh what you think um okay i'm thirty four years old uh my home uh that I live in currently with my wife and my newborn is uh, is worth about uh two hundred fifty I have about three hundred uh nine about three hundred thousand uh 30, total debt in it as far as first and second but I have an equity line that uh has not been canceled about a hundred and a quarter, uh, hundred twenty-five thousand dollars that I could cash out, and only due to my newborn, I'm thinking about relocating to a place with a better uh, school system. Right. And I watched a, a segment on 60 Minutes about people bailing out, and and um, it just just picked up a few a uh, few things from that show. My question is, financially, uh, not morally, financially. Uh, w- would it be? Uh, um, would you think it's a good idea for me to get those, uh, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars, put the uh, put that down payment towards a, a nice house in a good location, and uh, and let go of this
2: one? You th- you have an equity line with a hundred thousand that you want to borrow on.
6: A hundred a hundred and twenty five on this home, which is already underwater by a hundred thousand.
2: Yeah, you realize you would probably go to jail or be sued for that. Oh really? Oh yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> so an equity line of credit is a recourse loan. Okay. Your your first mortgage in most cases is non-recourse loan. But once you take money out or you create a second loan, and you said you have a a, a first and a second, so your sure. second is a is a recourse loan. And your home equity line of credit, recourse loan.
6: Well, the, the second is the same that I'm. Kept. It was a total of two hundred on my second this okay. home, and there's still a hundred and a quarter left in there for okay. me to, to take out if I if I wish. But uh, you know, this is something that, that it, it's it's all because of the newborn and because of the new school. You know, I need. Yeah, to,
2: here's yeah. the here's the question for you. Um, the second, give me what's your first mortgage? What's up for?
6: Uh, my first mortgage is for right now. It's running about uh, three, about uh, three hundred thousand.
2: Three hundred thousand. And your second mortgage that you've actually tapped and used is what? How much? Uh,
6: the second uh, that I have is seventy-five thousand.
2: Okay, Correct. so it's a three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars in total debt you have right now on a house you think that's worth two hundred fifty. Um, and the think,
6: equity line was for two hundred, and I took out seventy five. So that's the yeah. quarter that is sitting there.
2: If you go read your documents, you'll learn that it's a recourse loan, Jose. Okay. And here's the problem that you face: I'm not telling you not to short sell because in your case, uh, you bought a, did I, you probably bought the house for three thirty, is my guess, and it's worth two fifty. So it's an eighty k drop in value. That's exactly what I bought it for. <laughs> okay, so you've got seventy five k that you're liable for. The first loan usually will go away because that's the way first loans are set up. They're non-recourse. Jose loses his job and can't afford his mortgage. People feel bad. But when what you did, and, and thanks for the call, was you said, my credit's not good enough or my income's not good enough. Give me a second loan so that I can afford the first loan. It doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. A second mortgage is ultimately typically 10 to 20% of your down payment, and... It kind of acts as your down payment. 20, 30 years ago, we wouldn't even have thought of using a second mortgage to buy a home. You would have got a second mortgage when your kids went to school, went to college. So ultimately what you did was you borrowed money to borrow money, and you're going to be liable for that. If nothing else, at least on the 1099 income problem, where if if you short sell the house, you'll probably get a tax bill for $25,000 is my guess. On that $75,000, you'll get a pretty high capital income. You'll get a high income taxable bracket hit on it for forgiven debt. Your idea of moving to another school district, I'm not going to stop you. What I would probably do is I would consider short-selling the house, eating $75,000 in losses, moving to a better district, and renting. Um, Or you're stuck in the house. So that $75,000, you're being cute, you're being naive if you think you can go spend that money, and you're actually... And again, I'm not the most moral person in the world, and I swear by that. You know, I've made mistakes that I regret. I've lied to women before more often than I want to admit. I've made mistakes. I confess that. I'm not, you know, I'm not the pope judging you here. But I think if you think you're going to take 125000 from the bank to go buy a new home while you're foreclosing your first home, if you don't think that sounds criminal, there's something terribly, terribly wrong with you. Now, unfortunately, you're probably looking at more of a bankruptcy in that scenario than criminal. Um, but I'm not going to stop you from doing it. I'm just going to tell you that they're going to come after you, is my best guess. Let's get a Gerhardt in San Mateo. Gerhardt. Gerhardt. Uh, with a great name like Gerhardt, you would expect that he would have stuck in there and, and stuck it out, but nope. I've never known a Gerhardt. Ever, never, ever in my life. Now, housing continues to be a serious problem in America. Tremendous amount of over of overhang and unsold homes out there. This means that more than seven million homes remain weighing down on the market to the banks, having to repossess the loans and they're in delinquency. It's just interesting to note that um, new defaults to keep coming on. If you go back to two thousand and five, the number of homes that we had out there. Eh, roughly 1.1 million. Now what we have out there waiting to be sold as far as uh, as foreclosures go, over 7.1 million. So 2005, 1.1, now 7.1. Do you see that we have a lot of homes that, that are going to be sold into the market? And like Jose was just one of those examples that his home's going to be sold into the market at some point in time. Someone will buy it after he defaults on it and forecloses on it. Um, I don't think our housing problems are over yet. Even though the housing data that came out today looked good, It looked good with bad comparisons. It didn't look good compared to 2004, 2005, 2006 levels. It looked good compared to awful comparisons. You get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639